Welcome to the official podcast of Rock Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. This week, we celebrated Easter, and Pastor Dave Lance concluded our series, The Prodigal God. Join us this Sunday at 1031 a.m. at Hebner Elementary as we begin our new series, Rhythm. Visit rockhills.com to learn more about our community and how you can be involved in what God is doing at Rock Hills. Hey, we are, uh, we are in a series, and we're talking about how God cares about lost things. Have you ever been lost? That's my question today. Have you ever been lost? Now, uh, guys, the guys in the room are saying, no, I've never been lost. Maybe a little confused, maybe a little disoriented, but I've never been lost. And if you have a woman in your life sitting next to you, she's just shaking her head right now, right? Well, I can remember this time, uh, this was years ago, when I was getting ready to enter college at Michigan State University. So my team, they laid an egg yesterday in the final four, um, but they were there, so I'm proud of them. They didn't play well yesterday. But Michigan State University years ago, I had to go before my first semester to do all like the the pre-testing. And so my dad went over all the directions with me. Now this was before GPS. You see, We don't really think about being lost today anymore, do we? GPS, right? You put in the address, you wait for the prompts, and you just kind of follow along. It's easy. You don't have to think about it. But back then, no GPS. We had this thing, we had these things called maps, and you'd open them up like this. Anybody remember this back in the old days? Well, my dad, so he gave me precise directions on how to get to campus, where I needed to be, and um, just to make sure I had plenty of time, he was, on, he was on business and he was traveling. He was going to be in East Lansing. So we were going to eat for breakfast. So I would be you know, rested, well-fed, and ready to go. So it was an hour and 45 minutes to Michigan State from my house. We planned on meeting uh, you know, a little more than an hour ahead of that time. So I left you know, three hours, plenty of time to get there. And I got so lost. I mean, really lost. And you're thinking, uh, Dave, why don't you just call your dad then? Well, we didn't have cell phones then. He had, he had this big old car phone. Remember these big units? He had one. I didn't have one. I think I used a pay phone just to try to get in touch with him. But anyway, I got lost, and I never showed up for breakfast. I was late for my testing. And my dad was worried and pretty steamed at me because my dad gave me very clear directions, and I can, you know, it's this vague thing where I was on the phone with him, and he's like, okay, here's, you look for this exit, you get off here, you go to this street, you turn left, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I got that, got, and then when I was looking, I was like, oh, what, what did he say? What were those directions? Lost. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever felt lost? Well, today we're going to be talking about being lost and being found by God. Because that's why we're here in this place this morning. That's why we celebrate at Easter is God is a God who searches out lost things and lost people. And we're going to talk about how the resurrection is critical to understanding what it means to be found. Being found means that you and I don't have to fear the future. We can experience each day the presence and the purpose and the direction that God has for us. So there, there's been a parable that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. It's called the parable of the two lost sons, Luke chapter 15. And we looked at the lost younger brother 
and we looked at the lost older brother last week, and now we'll be talking about the father's love and how he pursues us no matter what kind of lost we are. Because the problem with the brothers was this. Even though the younger brother went away and the older brother stayed home, and we'll get to the parable in just a moment, they were both lost because they didn't have a relationship with their father. I mean, they cared about their father's possessions and his wealth, but they didn't care about the father. And yet, in this story, in this great story, we see the father's compassion, his great compassion, how he longed not only for his younger son to come back, but longed for the older son to open up to relationship with him, to be in right relationship. So here's how the parable goes. Um, We'll be reading the last half. So the first part of the parable goes like this. The younger son comes to his father and he says, basically, dad, I wish you were dead. I want my share of the state because I'm gonna go out on my own. I don't wanna be here anymore. I'm really not interested in you and I'm out of here. And so the father um, he, he answered their quest, which shocked Jesus' audience as he told the story. But he took part of this state, sold it off, and cashed out for his younger son. And he went off and he lived wildly and blew his money. And before he knew it, famine was hitting and he, was, he had nothing left and he was in abject poverty where he ultimately was working on a farm feeding pigs food that he didn't even have. And yet, that's not how the story ended. Because as we pick up the story at that point, he wrestled with maybe, just maybe, my father will receive me back as one of his hired servants. And so he started home, and here's how we pick up the text. So he got up, and he went to his father. He traveled back home, and bought, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home and you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father said, My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And so we're gonna, as we think about this powerful text, we're gonna talk about three things. And the first one is this. Three things that come out of this story. The first, 
Lost things, lost people matter to God the Father. And he searches to find them. Number two, God loves to restore his children. He loves for us to be back in relationship with him, to come home. And number three, God loves to celebrate with us. And we're called to invite others into the celebration. So first, lost people matter to God. I mean, that's a starting point for all of us as human beings. It's not about bad people and good, righteous people. It's about all people. It's about younger brothers and older brothers. And I don't know how, as you listen to the story, you relate. Maybe you relate to the younger brother who went out. Maybe you you relate to the older brother. Maybe there's, you know, for those uh, of you women in the audience, maybe there's a different way that you relate to the story. But the main point of the story is that these siblings are, they're lost in relationship with their father. And what we hear from Jesus in this story is that all human beings are spiritually lost, disconnected from the father without Jesus. All right, so as you kind of think through this, you may be saying, hey, um, I haven't really thought much about this. And you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable with the way that my life is going. I mean, I, I know where I'm going in life, and I really don't need help. I don't have a problem with God. I'm not angry with him. Um, I'm okay with God. But I just don't think I need help. I'm doing fine on my own. And maybe you struggle as you look at your life because you have messed up and you know it. And you don't know whether God would accept you. You wonder, could God accept a person like me? And maybe you feel the opposite, like you deserve better in life. I mean, however your life is gone, it seems like the cards of life that life has dealt you don't seem fair. And you wonder, where's God in this? Where's God in my pain and my struggle? But what Jesus tells us in this story is that all of us need help. We need a relationship with the God who made us, who desires for us to be a part of the family, to be connected, to be free. And here's the thing. If we're interested in a relationship with God, Jesus tells us over and over again, and the Bible kind of proclaims this message, is you can't earn, we can't earn our relationship with God. Right? We can't be fully righteous. We can't do everything right because we all mess up, right? If, our, if, if God's you know, goal for us to be perfect, we can't hit that goal. But that's why Jesus came. And that's why the Father is so passionate about searching for lost people. Because we can't earn his grace and his favor, it's a gift Just like we see in the story, the son comes back and the father runs to him to hug him and to kiss him and to bring him back into the family. And so today we remember that Jesus is the only one who can get us to that place. He's the perfect one sent from God to basically do what we couldn't do for ourselves. And Jesus teaches this 
Throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament, we hear that all people are lost in their relationship with God without his help and intervention in their lives. But the Father intervenes. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, said about this. So here is uh, Paul. He became this you know, powerful Christian who went out and shared his faith, and many churches were started because of Paul. But Paul was a bad guy before coming to Christ. He didn't think so, but he was. And here's how he accounts his own story. He says this. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could because of his work in the past. He said, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. It means he was a part of the people of God and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law, and I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness or righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's through faith in what God has done for us and how God searches and rescues for us to be in relationship with with Christ. Now here's what Paul realized. He recognized that all of his efforts, the things that he thought were good, they were worthless without truly knowing God. He couldn't earn it. And he realized that in getting to know Jesus, that he was lost and he was found because God had pursued him. God had given him grace God had come to meet him where he was and to love him and to put a robe on him and a ring on his finger and to give him strength and courage that he didn't have on his own. And that's really the point for all of us is to come to the realization that we need help, that we can't make a relationship with God on our own. We need the grace that comes through Christ, the one who lived perfectly in this world, the one who died for human sin, and not only that, was raised from the dead to show that death wasn't the end, that death doesn't have power over us. You see, God loves and longs for us to realize that we need his help. And he finds us. He comes and gets us. And maybe this is one of the first times that you've thought about, you know, maybe I'm lost. Or I feel lost in this world. Or I feel lost in my life. And I hope you can recognize today that that's, that's what God wants us to recognize. That he's the one 
who meets us in our lostness, in our brokenness, and he begins to pick us up. Maybe now's the time for you to respond. A friend of mine was telling me about a friend of his who had grown up in the church. And he, uh, he went to church often when he was younger and sang songs and he was a mu- musician, played music. But then at a certain point, um, you know, as he went out on his own, he, he just figured, why am I doing this? It's not, it's not doing me any good being in church. And so he went off and he didn't go to church for years. And uh, he lived his own life, um, called his own shots, uh, was enjoying life. And he was living, uh, he had a lot of girlfriends. He was living with his girlfriend at the time. And she was going through a very difficult time. And he didn't know how to help her or relate to what she was going through. And she said one Sunday morning, she said, I want to go to church today. I need help and I don't know where to find it. I want to go to church. And he said, all right, I'll go to church with you. And uh, as he started thinking about that, they had no idea where to go to church, so they kind of opened up the phone book. And as he was thinking, he pulled out his guitar and he started playing some hymns that he remembered. And he played three hymns that were important to him as he kind of thought back to the church. And as they showed up at this church, they knew nothing about this church, they went into this church that Sunday. And the three hymns that were being played and sung that day were the ones that he sang that morning. Now, God works in strange and mysterious ways. But that just shows that he comes to meet us where we are and to call us back into relationship. All right. Number two, God longs for his children to be found and restored. I mean, he just doesn't like bring us back and say, all right, figure it out. God wants, he longs for us to come back and to be restored, to experience his love and his grace. Now, how does that that happen? Well, it it happens first when we admit that we're lost and we need his help and that we're gonna put our trust in God through Jesus. That Jesus has done what we can't do for ourselves. Now, for that to happen, somebody had to pay a price, right? We come back because somebody paid a price. Jesus went to the cross. He gave up his life for us and then was raised from the dead so that we could see, yeah, there was a great price paid. An infinite value that God gave to bring us back into the family. But the amazing thing for us is we can receive it and become fully part of the family. That's what Easter is all about. It's not about what we need to do It's about us responding in faith and saying, God, I long for that relationship too. And here's what what Peter said in his letter, 1 Peter. He said this, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life through the spirit of God. And maybe if you want to think more about this today, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's a, a, one of the, ball, the books that, that uh, Paul wrote in the New Testament. If you want to read some more about Jesus' death and the significance of his resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15 
is a powerful text. But what we find in terms of the price that was paid is that Jesus nailed all of our lostness and brokenness to the cross. He paid for it. And therefore, when we're found, we're not lost anymore. God wants to give us direction for us to experience his love and grace. He wants us to know that he's for us and that we don't need to fear death anymore because Jesus has overcome death. That's a supernatural thing. You and I can't overcome it. Only God can. And that's why Jesus came into our world. Um, I mean, if we're honest, we're worried about all kinds of things this morning, right? We might be able to take a moment and just kind of enjoy this, this time together with a community, with our family, the, whatever we're gonna do this afternoon. But we have things that we're worried about. Some of us, are, we're worried about our health. You know, we don't know if we're gonna get better. We don't know how something's gonna work out in our bodies. Some of us are worried about our relationships. Maybe our marriage isn't going well. Maybe we got a tough, you know, just tough relationship with one or multiple kids. We don't know what our future is going to be like. And what God is telling us this morning is that He will be with us. He will lead us through. It doesn't mean the problems go away, but He will lead us through these things that you and I wrestle with. Because he tells us that when we respond in faith, when we follow in faith, he's already in the process of restoring us. Now think about this for a moment. When he finds us, he restores us. In a sense, he completely or fully restores us. That means that we are a part of the family, right? It doesn't matter that we still got things to clean up in our lives. He doesn't care about that. We're fully his sons and daughters. Now that's amazing to think about. That means the future, God has great plans for us. It means God wants us to grow into this restoration. Now, as in a sense, it's, it's complete, it's already happened, we also know that restoration is a process. It happens through a lifetime, right? We change and we grow over a lifetime. It doesn't happen in an instant. God sees us as his sons and daughters. He sees us as we will be, but we have to go through a process, right? We have to change and grow and stretch. So let me think of it, let's think of it this way together. So my, um, my oldest son, he loves to do projects. He's very creative. And recently he suggested to me, he said, hey dad, it would be cool if we got an old car and we restored it together. Now I said, yeah, that would be cool. And then the dad part of me starts to do what? Count the cost. Because somebody's got to pay the bill for that, right? So let's say that I I decided, okay, I'm going to put the money and energy and time into this project with my son. Um, it's quite a process, isn't it? Now, let's, uh, let's take a look at this late 60s Mustang. It's not in the best condition. It's not in the worst condition either. But imagine you get this vehicle. How are you going to start this restoration process? 
Well, first of all, you're going to have to figure out what needs to be done. You're going to have to check it out structurally. You have to check out the body. You have to look at the engine, all those parts that I really know nothing about. I mean, I would have a lot of work to do to figure this out. But you start to check it out. And then you lay out, okay, here's, here's what it's going to cost, right? And then you start buying all the parts and start spending time in the process. But, okay, you never just go out and buy the car without counting the cost or without a vision of what it could look like, right? You gotta have in your mind a vision of what this is gonna look like when it's restored. So let's look at this. Now, so imagine your vision is like this. Here it is, the Mustang Fuller, it's a beautiful thing, right? But not without money, time, energy, sweat, all that kind of stuff. And here's the amazing thing about God. Even though we're gonna be in a lifelong process of restoration, God has a vision for us. He sees us the way we will be. He sees us all new and pretty. Now, some of us are wondering, oh, okay, does that mean as I go through this restoration process, someday I'm going to be New and brand new. I'm going to look strong and healthy someday. Nope, that's not how it works, right? As we get older, what happens? We don't get, we don't get all strong and new and pretty, right? We just get older. No offense, I'm getting older too. I'm starting to feel it. But the beautiful thing is what God does inside of us. He's restoring us. He's renewing us. He's showing us a priority about what's important in life and the value that we have and the significance that we have that life is not just about this world. But one day, there's gonna be a new world where there's no more sin, no more death, no more illness, no more pain, where we will receive, just like Jesus received a resurrected new body, we also will receive a new body because Jesus came to make all things new. And when lost people respond to God, we not only get found, we start this process of restoration where God is doing something in our lives and he wants us to be a part of what he's doing in this world. All right, number three, which is why God celebrates. I mean, we see as the the younger son came home, the huge celebration that his father threw. I mean, he pulled out all the stops, robe, ring. He restored him into the family, threw a huge party, invited everybody in the village. Anybody he knew was invited. Come on. Anybody he didn't know, he said, come on. We're gonna celebrate because my lost son has been found and he's home. And that's just a picture of the God who made you and me. He loves to celebrate when we come home. Now, as you think about God celebrating, you know, I don't know how you think about God. You know, some of us, our first thought is, oh, I I don't really think of God as the celebrator. I think of God as kind of angry, you know, mad at me for how I've messed up or haven't done things right. And the Bible says, yes, God does get angry about things. I mean, all throughout the, the Old and New Testament, God gets angry when people have turned and gone their own way. But God's not an angry God. He's a loving and compassionate God who, grew, who, who longs for us 
to be in relationship, to come back, to trust him. And so as we read through the scriptures, we see all kinds of celebrations. We see all kinds of joy throughout the scripture. I mean, that's why God invented festivals. There are festivals and parties all throughout the history of the scriptures. God invented good food and drink, right? Yeah, God invented it. He wants us to celebrate, right? When we think of partying, oh, God can't be about partying. He loves when we party, just not when we over party. He loves it because he's a God who celebrates. When people humble themselves and come, he celebrates. All right. Listen to what David says about celebrating in the Psalms. He says in Psalm 145, and you read this all throughout uh, these Psalms. Many of them are praised. And he says this, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he's made. All your works praise him, Lord. Your faithful people celebrate you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and they speak of your might so they, that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. When he talks about kingdom, he just means your ways, God, your ways, your way of life. God wants us to experience joy as we know him and as we begin this process of restoration no matter where we are at in faith. Now, um, Think of it this way. So God celebrates all kinds of things in our lives. And I want you to think, okay, what's going on in my life that I could celebrate with God? Where if I step back, if I think about it, I see, yeah, I really think that God was involved in this. And for us in my family, we've been in a, in a process of adoption over the last couple of years. And many of you who've been around, you know this, you know this story. We recently went to China and and uh, our little girl, Emmy Lou, is here. You'll see her running around today. But it was a process. And God, you know, God kind of put this on our heart. He said, in a sense, there's this lost little girl over in China. She doesn't have a mom. She doesn't have a dad. And you're going to become her family. And so we went through this, at times, agonizing process of all the work that goes into adoption and getting ready to travel and all that stuff. And recently, we got to go pick her up. And now, it's not, we're not even a month into it, she is a part of our family. Now, she didn't know what to expect. I mean, she didn't know this was gonna happen a couple of years ago. She longed for a family, but she didn't know it was gonna happen. We didn't know who she was gonna be. We had no idea. And yet we knew that God was calling us to find this daughter and to bring her into our home. And now we're starting to learn. We already love her with all of our heart, but we're starting to learn how to give her love and to show her how much we love her. And so you know what we want to do because of this? We want to celebrate, right? We want to celebrate. And so we're going to throw a party later this month. That's what you do, right? When you love something, when you're excited about something, what do you do? You throw a party. You recognize the significance. And the reason that we're throwing a party is because we know the joy 
that God has. When lost things get found, when families turn to him and say, God, I see how you've been at work in my life, and, and we want to celebrate that. And so I don't know how you're going to celebrate today with Easter you know, lunch or parties that you have planned this afternoon, but think about that. This is not just a fun family party. It's an opportunity to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And for some of you, you may be saying today, you know, I didn't really thought much about being lost. But I think I am. And I want to be found by God. We can help you with that. That's why, that's why we're here. We're a community of lost people who've been found because of what Jesus has done for us. And we know in that, that God celebrates. He longs for us to grow and to enjoy and to have no fear and to know that he's a part of our lives. 